0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Alec Mappa Hot Mess with Matthew Dempsey Psychotherapist. I'm Alec Mapa. I'm an actor and comedian in movies and television.
1: And I'm Matthew Dempsey. I'm a psychotherapist and multicultural counselor who is a very proud alum of Columbia University.
0: And I went to NYU drama school. I, I have a BFA in anxiety, self-loathing, and musical comedy.
1: (laughs) But Alec, don't worry about it. You're always working through it. True. And right now the entire world is a hot mess, right? But so we're just gonna zero in on some of our biggest fears, anxieties, issues, and discuss coping solutions and strategies because honestly, let's face it, underneath it all, everyone Everyone
0: is a hot hot
1: mess. mess. (laughs) Welcome to the club.
0: Now, we cover one category uh, uh, or one issue for every single program, and today the issue is authenticity.
1: I love authenticity. This is my favorite topic. I'm so excited. The category
0: is authenticity. (laughs) And we have an amazing guest uh, today who's all about authenticity. It's Dominique Jackson from Pose. I'm so excited. Now, why is, um, Matthew, why is authenticity? Your favorite subject.
1: I mean, authenticity. It's at the core of everything that I love, everything I believe in. It's at the Mm -hmm. core of the work that I do. It's the reason why I do what I do, you know, helping other people try to discover their authenticity.
0: Right. I think it's the, I think it's the secret sauce to having a a successful life.
1: Yeah. And and a, and, (laughs) and.
0: I, I, I cut you off so much in the first episode. It's okay. I just did it to you. I'm terrified. You. <laughs> I'm terrified of even speaking <laughs> to you. So I'm going to stop. And, and it's because of my own ADHD. I'm afraid of the silence. I'm kind of like, so go ahead.
1: You were saying. So when you think of authenticity, what comes to mind for you? Like, how would you actually define Authenticity. <laughs>
0: Um, it's well. Here's you know. Here's what people don't know about marriage. Marriage requires authenticity. I've been married mm-hmm. for eighteen years, and what that means is you have to negotiate being completely one hundred percent real with another person, mm-hmm. and working through those things all the time. And what people don't know is that a marriage, if you're married or with somebody in a long-term relationship, they're going to see you at your absolute worst. Yes, your absolute worst, mm-hmm. and you have to be able to kind of like be have the courage to be that awful. <laughs> Yeah, And that authentic, in order for your other partner to go, okay, let's talk about that. Let's look at that. I forgive you, you forgive me, and we can move on.
1: Totally. Well, how authenticity plays itself out in relationships, right? Like how right. much we need to just check in with ourselves so that we then can have the most real kind of honest Relationships with other people. But what about just for yourself? Like, how would you just as an individual, how would how would you describe authenticity in in, in the best way that you could?
0: The best way that I can is, um, well, the bravery to kind of behave as if um, there's a great Quentin Crisp quote that said, if if there were no blame or no praise,
1: who Mm -hmm. would you be? Hmm. Oh, that's good. Yes. If there
0: were no blame or no uh, praise, who would you be?
1: I know because we're just so like influenced by external things, the world around us, what we think everybody wants from us, and especially especially for those of us from any kind of marginalized community, right? We grow mm-hmm. up believing right. that there's something inherently damaged or wrong or inadequate about who we are, so it yes. keeps us from being able to feel, you know, like who we are authentically. Mm-hmm. is good enough but like right. the way that i describe it is just kind of it's just like being real i know that that's so basic basic way of describing it, but being real like like actually who are you like what do you feel like what sparks the light of joy within you anytime you're doing that uh-huh. thing uh-huh. you know like that's just just who are you if nobody else was around kind of yeah what but saying
0: not, that quote. not i'm interrupting you i forgive me <laughs> it's okay don't, this, don't is fine. Me, daddy.
1: this is conversation with natural don't, don't hurt me daddy <laughs> daddy don't
0: don't do it daddy okay daddy um,
1: issues will be the next show
0: Okay, the issues. For me, it's, it's just, just kind of like I'm 55 years old. I'm going to be 55 years old this week. I'm, 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 and my birthday is July 10th. I'm a cancer. And I've, I've stopped caring what other people think. Like yeah. I think as I enter my 50s. Because all of my 20s and 30s, I was so people-pleasing. Yeah. And this was my point. Um, my, a good friend, Coco Peru, the drag queen, everybody knows and loves her. Mm-hmm. She says that human beings are hardwired to recognize the truth. Mm-hmm. That if you're in the presence of somebody who's so on and is so vivacious, but it's not connected to something genuine and something heartfelt, it's uncomfortable to be in the presence of somebody like that.
1: Yeah. How do you do that? Like as a comedian, obviously, Mm -hmm. and as an entertainer, as a host, there's so much energy that has gone in over years of your career of, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of like being on having to be on, how do you manage that? So you can still do your work and do the thing that you do and shine in that way, but also still maintain who you actually are. Well, I
0: think my relationship grounds me having a kid grounds me. So uh, I've been a dad for 10 years. And, and so the show's not not the most important thing of the day, like it used to be, but right. also, I'm an actor. I started out in the theater, so when I'm on stage i'm my look on stage is I wear a suit, yeah, I have a costume, yeah, I'm on, and then mm-hmm. I am playing a version of myself, got it a version of myself that's ultra dirty that can talk about anything (laughs) that can get away with murder. Cause when you have the microphone, you can, it's powerful. You can get away with murder. And then when I come off stage and I have my, my glass of landing Pinot Grigio or Rose or whatever, then it's over. (laughs) It's done. It's like a show. It's like, after that it's over. And then, you know, there are some people who still expect you to be the person that you are on stage. And I said, Jesus, if I was like that all the time, that would be a fucking nightmare. That would yeah.
1: be horrible. So, so just being really intentional about it, just being very clear with yourself about like, okay, this is the character that I'm h- kind of playing now, or this is the role I'm stepping into. And right. when you're out of it, you're out of it and can just be exactly who you are. Right. Like I What guess would you version... say? What Go ahead. No, go you go ahead. After you. <laughs> what would you what would you say is one defining thing about who you are authentically that would surprise people? One defining
0: thing about me authentically. Yeah, just like that one would...
1: thing. Not all right. Yeah, just one. Um
0: I'm a Satanist. No, um, (laughs) I, uh, (laughs) hail Satan. Uh No, we're going to (laughs) lose Dominique. I'm really, I'm shy. I'm a really shy person. But when I am out in public, I am, what do they call it? I'm a, I'm a extroverted introvert.
1: Yeah. Like Oprah. Like Oprah. Oprah says that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like they say that when the camera stopped rolling, when they went to commercial, she would just be like, Quiet. Just quiet. Yeah. And then she yeah, turned yeah, back yeah. on when the cameras went back on. So when I'm at an event and it's called upon me to be social and everything, right yeah. before it, I have to take a breath. I have to go.
1: Yeah. Okay. Hey, here we go. Yeah. I get yeah. that. I'm actually kind of the same way too, just uh, not as a performer necessarily, but just as somebody who kind of goes out and, you know, can be social. You know, I can mm-hmm. put it on. I can like do the dance and, you know, yeah. kind of chit chat, but I'm just so not the small talk kind of guy. You know, no, so like that no, stuff, you're, is, you're that stuff is hard. About,
0: yeah. You're talking about the deep, heavy, real thing. <laughs> yeah. We're going to get to talk about that with Dominique Jackson today. We Good. Did, we I love did it. We did a movie together in Puerto Rico um, and right before Rona. And um, I met her in the hotel lobby and we hit it off right away. And then I read her book and then I saw her special on Hulu. It's Mm -hmm. a special on Hulu called defining moments. And we have so much in common. We were both raised by a superstitious Island people who are homophobic. Mm -hmm. We were both raised in religious communities. um, And uh, what was the last thing? Oh, we're both gorgeous and fabulous. <laughs> stunners, was, for the, sure. Yeah, stunners. Now, there was yes. something else. Oh, we we're both New Yorkers. I lived in New York, at the, I think, at the same time she did. And she mentioned the places that she went to. You were a New Yorker. Do you ever go to Tiffany's on Christopher Street, that diner? Uh, I haven't. Remember no. that?
1: No, I don't remember uh, that one. And then uh,
0: Dominique Yorker. also worked at this uh, bar that was near my apartment in the West Village called Two Potato. And I was like, when I saw that, <laughs> and Esquilita. So let's bring her on the show, Matthew.
1: Well, we're thrilled about our special guest today. She's been a model for over 20 years and an actress best known for her popular and eccentric character, Electra Abundance. I love Abundance. And on the hit Emmy nominated FX series, Pose.
0: She's also a cultural icon. You're an icon, darling. Yeah, Vocal member of the transgender community. She's my friend. We just did a movie together. And um, she's the newly appointed godmother to my son. Which she <laughs> proclaimed herself recently. Please welcome <laughs> Dominique Jackson.
2: Yay. Hi,
3: how are you? I'm so happy to be here. Thank you so much, Alec. I just have so much love for you. It was like just meeting you. It, it was just like you were just one of these people that you are one of these people that just radiate a light that's just so attracting and, yeah. and comforting. So I just I love that about you. And well, Matthew, all I can say is wow. <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: I think
2: that's it
3: all, doesn't it? Was, <laughs> yeah. When we met each
0: other at the filming, you were on your, We were both on our way to set. We you, was you were in the lobby with your with your uh, with Edwin, your lover, and uh, <laughs> we were just kind of both ourselves right away yeah with each other it's like you there was something about you in standing in your space and me in my space that we were just and i don't know if that's ever happened to you matthew where you meet somebody and it's just kind of like oh i can i don't have to do that hi pleased to meet you it's like we we were real like right away
3: yes that is so true yes that is true and you don't get that a lot with people and i think that that happened because I, when I meet people, I kind of sense a gen, a a genuinity within them. And so Mm -hmm. like, it was just this automatic, it was like a magnet. Like I didn't have to put up a guard or wonder if, you know, you were coming at me with sideways or anything. It was just like your smile, your aura just opened up and I was just able to open up, you know, and yeah, yeah, that's how I am.
0: And also you're seven feet tall and I'm about the size of a Barbie. So there's nothing intimidating about me.
1: Oh my God. <laughs> totally.
2: All
1: right. So Dominique, the topic for today is authenticity. You're definitely a living trans legend who's helped with transgender awareness through being your authentic self and roll on pose. So what's your definition of authenticity?
3: For me, I believe authenticity is about, as, as I was listening to each of you, I was like, that is it. You know, it's about being so comfortable with yourself that you know it's not over the top. You know you're connected and you're rooted to something. So therefore, when you approach people or you're in the presence of people, you can truly be yourself. You can truly feel comfortable. And for a while, mm-hmm. I felt like I was not being my authentic self because I had to kind of live self. I had to kind of hide. I was worried about me being me, worried about embarrassing everyone else, friends, everyone if they, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. knew that I'm trans. And then it was like after a while, I just got so tired of that, and I just went to mm-hmm. one of my um, social media things, and I just, you know, put up uh, this post that said in in the profile, I put trans in the profile instead of trying to hide behind anything else. And so I realized that I felt more comfortable speaking with people. You know, I just yeah. being myself. What was it like
1: getting to the point where you then thought like, this is the moment I'm going to put it on. I'm going to put mm-hmm. it on social media. I'm going to put it out there.
3: Um, I got frustrated with the common thing of people saying that you're fooling them. And sometimes it's like, I didn't even uh, attempt to reach out to you. You reached out to me and I'm having conversations saying, no, I'm not interested, you know, or no, I'm not going to buy your product or something like that. Or people just try to befriend mm-hmm. you and then they search you, they realize who you are and then the conversation goes absolutely left. So I was like, look, before I have to go through this and then just to, to work with someone in, let's say, on a play or something like that, I had to disclose mm-hmm. who I am and then suffer the fact of, oh, wow, I didn't know that that mattered. Right. Mm-hmm. So I just got to the point of from the time I was going in for any auditions or anyone approached me, it was like, look, I'm Trent.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh,
3: if you have an issue with that, then I'm gonna just walk away. And if you don't, then maybe we can work together. And I realized I took the power from them.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. totally. You mm-hmm. empowered your you empowered yourself. I mean, even just talking about it, it's like it. You sound so powerful talking about it. I really <laughs> claimed that, you know, when you kind of went in and you took charge. I can't imagine that that was necessarily just kind of like, you know, a, a switch that you flipped and it was easy and you were able to do that. That takes like a lot of courage. to be Yeah. Able to
0: do and that. also like it's so it, it's 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 interesting, like the only comparable experience as a queer person is when you come out, you stop worrying about people who have a problem with it. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, all the people who have a problem with it go away. Yeah. Did you find that that was true for you?
3: Um, For me, actually, no, because um, as a trans woman now, people felt like they had the right to tell me uh, what my life was. So when people saw me happy, I started to realize that they got upset because I was happy living my life. And they would tell me, no, you cannot be happy like that. You cannot possibly be happy. I would sometimes post photos and people would say to me, you should be ashamed of yourself. And then I would look at Mm -hmm. these photos and I would go to like comrades or even people that did not know that I was trans and they go, wow, that's a beautiful woman. And I would, it would confuse Mm -hmm. me at times. And I realized in order for me to get ahead in life, I had to stop feeling confused by other people's comfortability. You know, you have two choices. You can, we can work together or you can step away and you never know what may happen. And a lot of people right now are really gagging that they stepped away. (laughs)
1: Yeah, of course. That's amazing because it's all of those people that would ever want to try to, you know, kind of, you know, diminish what you're doing. It's those people who don't know how to shine that they just need to dull the shine of other people.
0: Right. Right. And what baffles me on YouTube or on social media is like, why did you take the trip to my page (laughs) to leave a shitty comment? Like, totally. where did I hang out a shingle for you to do that? That always <laughs> sets. that's the worst. Now, um, I've been doing all my Dominique homework. I watched you on Hulu last night. Mm. And I, I read as much as I could. I'm still reading your book. You're a wonderful writer. Congratulations. Oh, well,
3: thank you. I really appreciate that.
0: That book was really gutsy. And uh, you talked about uh, yesterday on the special, as I was watching your early days in Baltimore, and you said that ballroom saved your life. You had a great story about how Ballroom saved your life. Can you tell us about that?
3: So um, I was, um, I, well, I am a Caribbean, Black, uh, African, uh, Americanized, mm-hmm. transgender, transsexual, post-operative, transsexual. So there's mm-hmm. a lot that comes with me. I'm very, and I didn't even realize that. And I didn't realize how much I needed to appreciate each of those things. So Hmm. in Baltimore now, just marginalized, I didn't see anyone that looked like me. And I first went into a uh, Lambda Rising or something like that. I think that's what it was called. It was something with Lambda. And everyone there was, there was no one really of my complexion. And I felt more of like the new thing where I was just trying to go to find out what I really was. If there was a label for me, if there was something that I could identify with. And so after the meetings, I got disappointed and I would just walk up and down like St. Paul Street and stuff like that. And this one evening I met this gentleman and in meeting him, he started to actually show me, you know, conversation, show me like he was interested. Uh So I'm like, I'm like, 17 and a half almost 18 so i'm thinking okay grown you know someone is interested yeah. let's mm. let's get it in <laughs> hello and, i'm going to seal um, the deal yeah yeah i yeah. had no ex- i had no experience um except for experiences that were of a forced uh, nature and so i was you know just wanting to have that experience to engage with someone that i actually wanted to engage with Mm -hmm. And here come these people coming down the street. They were not like, they were fabulous in aura. It wasn't clothing. They weren't Gucci bags or Versace. It was just the aura and the the force that came with them that made you want to turn and look. And Mm. for some people, you would see the anger. And I can still look back at the moment to this day. You see the anger in their faces, but Mm. the anger came with a kind of, disgust, but I dare not say anything to them because I know they're going to snap back.
2: Mm, and right. so they
3: walk right up to me and they're saying to me, no, you do not need to date this person. You're not going to date this person. And I'm like, what? I don't even know you. Right. And then they start to talk to me as if this guy wasn't even there. And then they're like, oh, and you have faith. And that was like the first time someone had actually said to me, look, you are beautiful. And they uh-huh. were looking at me and I'm like, okay. This sounds nice, but I'm going to get this boy right here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is
0: cute uh, and everything, but I got right, yeah. stuff to do.
3: <laughs> and one of them, um, my sister, who's no longer here, uh, Tiffany Revlon, she grabbed Sorry. my hand mm. and she said, no, you are not doing this. And she, they dragged me down the street. And wow. so, um, you know, but I got caught up with everything. And I'm like, okay, to the guy, you know, I'll call you later. Let's not make it, you know. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. It turns out that two weeks later, um, he ended up in the hospital and then my friends started and I ended up moving in with them because now I found people that were like me. And even though it was a, you know, a one bedroom apartment that was really tiny and it was eight of us living there, I felt a comfort being with them.
2: So yeah, family.
3: I, moved, I So I mm-hmm. moved in with them and in doing that, we got the news that the young man that I was talking to had passed away. Wow! And so then it started to get going, and other people started to come forward, and then it came up that he was infected um, purposely and uh, had no control over it. And his feeling was that, look, someone did it to me, so I'm going to do it to them. Wow! So
0: she literally saved your life by grabbing you and bringing
3: you. They did. They. That's how I feel. You know, I really feel and through that ballroom has always protected me. Ballroom has always been there for me. So yeah, ballroom has been uh, my life. When we talk about growing up, I was nurtured by women in ballroom and the pageant world. Mm -hmm. And these women instilled in me the, the elegance and beauty to to still be myself. Even though I would look at my mom, Tommy Ross, who is one of the reigning Queens forever in life. And, um, Tommy Ross carries herself with such regalness and elegance. And when she called me her daughter, I really started to no longer look at myself as nothing. I started Ugh. to pick my head up. I started yes. to feel like, you know, wow, this is, this is a mother that understands me, yeah, you know, I, and like my like other real mo- family. Yes. La Beja, My father, uh, Enrique and my mother, Alor, who is no longer here, but and Enrique Alor is still here. And, you know, all these people, they instilled this, yes, you can still be elegant. Because when you uh, are like myself and you are in especially Christian families and stuff like that, they Mm -hmm. take the power from you that you Mm -hmm. look good in anything or -hmm. that you are Mm -hmm. good about anything. And Mm -hmm. so therefore now with these people, I was raised to sit with my back straight to instilled in me from birth. You know, the grandmother thing, right, Alex? Yes, right. sit up sit straight, speak properly, you know, would not mm-hmm. respond to me if I didn't speak properly. And once I got into the ballroom scene, I saw where there were different areas that I could branch off into, where that did not fit the way I was raised.
1: That's amazing, because we like really finding that community really finding your chosen family wh- who would actually celebrate you not trying to get you to fit into a box that you not that right. you don't belong into, but actually help you kind of create who you are and express who you are. What was that like on Pose for you then, especially working with so many other amazing trans Mm -hmm. uh, actors and also Janet Mock, the beautiful Janet Mock, trans (laughs) woman as well, directing all of that. So like such a presence there from your family, from your community. What was that like?
3: Well, it was absolutely amazing because first off it was unlike, and I've been on other sets and Chick Fight was a fun set. But so let's not put Chick Fight in this. That was okay. the movie that I've been on on, on other set, and that's the name of our
0: movie that we filmed, uh, it, Chick
3: Fight. And so you would find on set where people are very professional, extremely professional. Sometimes mm-hmm. actors don't speak to the crew; they don't speak to you know the people around. It's just, uh, and a, this is a business exchange. We need you here. And and that's fine. The professional setting is fine. But with polls, because of where we've all come from and who we Mm -hmm. are, it was like, hey, girl, what's up, sis? You know, and just so much joy for us, not just... And it wasn't that someone gave us something. It was something that we worked for and we Mm -hmm. were the ones that ended up with it. And so it was just like working with everyone just makes me feel like, comfortable it makes me feel like i can be vulnerable because Mm -hmm. i'm not worried and authentic yes authentic you know (laughs) we get to be ourselves i know
0: because it's not it's not an environment where everybody if it's all your sisters and you're all trans women and you're all working on this incredible project for the very first time right this is the very first time because they're always the excuse always was in casting was we couldn't find anybody we couldn't <laughs> find anybody. There wasn't anybody available. But Ryan Murphy and Stephen Canal said, we are going to find people. Yeah. And they well, all found you, know, you. So I think that's changed casting forever in terms of casting transgender people and transgender roles.
3: Uh, here's the thing. People keep saying they couldn't find us. We've always been here. We've mm-hmm. always been going to auditions. We've always been part of stuff. Some of these people have come into our community, into our ballrooms, into our agencies, and told us they were going to, make movies or do stuff and then said they were going in a different direction and then the next thing you know you see stuff put out there that you know you participated in or you helped Mm -hmm. to create and you get Mm no acknowledgement for it what mr murphy did right what mr murphy did was he said i'm going to give everyone the opportunity i'm not even going to take from them this is this is this is something a labor of love this is a labor of saying look world These are the people that you slept on for so long when you could have helped, when you could have given them opportunities and heard their voice. Yeah,
0: Yeah. I mean, that's the thing that I've been like thinking, you know, lately with Black Trans Lives Matters and All Black Lives Matters is the biggest thing that sticks in my craw is that trans women, trans people of color have linked arms with us from the beginning of the movement and spent the next 50 years kind of being ignored or thrown under the bus. Mm-hmm. And now for us to have this moment of like everybody kind of making the conscious decision to stick up for our community, which is, has include which you've been a part of. Yeah. especially time. And
1: especially white gay men too. Right. To be. Um, yeah. You. Know, aside, you aside from, yeah. Uh, some, no, but for us, I mean, aside from the gay piece, I mean, being, you know, white and cis male. All of that, I mean, that's such there's such privilege that's there. And instead of just, you know, um not acknowledging it and remaining ignorant to it, actually being able to use it in a way to lift up other parts of the community that has been of the kind of overall queer and trans community that's been um just such a strength for all of us. So like Ryan Murphy getting out of his own way to let Janet Mock do her thing, to yeah. let all of you, to let everybody else do their thing and let the community, the trans community especially, like shine um and get to do what you guys did. I can imagine that the energy on set was so cool.
3: Oh, yeah, it it really is. But we're also professionals also. So when it's time for work, like yeah. as soon as they yell cut, then it's like... Oh, girl, but let me tell you, we're going going off. And then when it's okay, it's time for work, it's time for work. Because, you know, I can speak for myself. I know how important this is. For my castmates, we all know how important Mm -hmm. this is. For Mm -hmm. me personally, it's especially important because I was able to hear the stories, uh, the dreams and the desires of some of those women that we portray as characters Mm -hmm. in post. Um, yeah. Because I am a little older, I just don't look it, and so <laughs> you um,
0: don't look it. I don't you know, don't know, look I don't know look how old it. you are, but you don't. Yeah, look, uh, look it.
3: Yeah. So to hear the stories from Paris Dupree about Avis Pendarvis and Kepler Beja, and to mm-hmm. hear that these women, you know, got dressed to the nines to just go to the corner store, you know, right. because the more fabulous you were, the better you, the 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 uh, your pronunciation, enunciation, all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Helped you to pass. You're right. not going mm-hmm. to attack a woman like Electra walking down the street in a fur right. coat because you're going to think she has money. Someone has values, you know. So right. it was it, it it helped a lot. So pose helped us to bring that back.
1: You know, you were just mentioning um, passing, and so especially in kind of the trans community, can you speak to this pressure at times to feel like one needs to pass and how that impacts? somebody's ability to- Because that's a really political
0: issue too in the trans community, passing privilege and-
3: Yeah. Well, here's the thing. We shouldn't even have to deal with any of that because a person and individual should be able to live their lives and be respected as a human being. Agreed. So when we talk about passing for me, sometimes I find it to be like, okay, listen, we should be past that by now Mm -hmm. because again, people's bodies are different. And you're coming from. And what's happening is when we talk about passing, it's someone else's judgment saying, "Well, mm-hmm. okay, uh, okay, you are uh, you are allowed to be who you are." Mm-hmm. You know, when that should not happen, or the question comes up, "Well, you don't look like what a woman should look like, so therefore, mm-hmm. you're not a woman." Right. And we have to we have to break that down to where I was actually sitting on a train next to a group of guys that was heckling another uh, another woman, mm-hmm. and in heckling this woman, calling her. Uh, all kinds of using all kinds of epitaphs, just being right. derogatory yeah. thinking she was trans and they mm. would, and the fear in me, I'm sitting right next to them and the guy taps me on the leg and says, yes, this is what a woman is supposed to look like. I don't uh, know what that wow. is. Wow. And, uh, and I was just, and that totally blew my mind because in my fear, in that moment, mm-hmm. you know, I had to hone in and I thought to myself, there's nothing that, we should not be having this passive passing and passability and all that kind of stuff because it's just other people's interpretation. Exactly. I've because, never
0: heard it put that way before, but that's exactly what it is. It's mm-hmm. other people's interpretation of how you're supposed to look.
3: Mm-hmm. Right. So as this woman got up, right, they were calling her fat and everything like that, a fat man. And da 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 da. She started to express herself and said, "I'm not a man. I'm a, I'm a woman. I'm three months pregnant." And da 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 da. And uh, there was a scene that developed and mm. this was a cisgender woman mm-hmm. and from mm-hmm. then i started to realize women come in all shapes and forms yeah. and sizes uh-huh. i've I've met women why do you think we have waxing because some women have mm-hmm. beards. they, they have are. mustaches you know there are certain mm-hmm. things that uh people have done to us to make us feel like we can't pass like you're too tall so for right. quite a while i didn't wear th- if you wear short hair you don't look real or if your hair is too long you don't Mm -hmm. look there there there's so many things that and rules that a trans woman has to go through in order for someone to make her feel like she's possible to the point where we're injecting silicone uh raw silicone into our bodies right we are uh, hurting ourselves so in order to fit
0: into like a pre preconceived aesthetic of what you're supposed to look like Yeah. You're so confident. That's what Mm -hmm. I love about you. (laughs) And, and, and you've been through so much I was reading your book, you know, you went through so many things that queer kids all over the country are going through raised in a religious community, right? You had really, uh, you know, really homophobic community. Um, you were, you were abused by a priest. I know a lot of people that that's happened to. Um, and, uh, You were also shamed, I got this my whole life, shamed to act like a boy. Hmm. And I was wondering, because you're you're you now and you're yourself now, what was it in you as a kid, and maybe even now, that got you through that? What was in you as a kid that made you kind of like, I'm going to keep going?
3: So I'm Pisces, and I dream a lot that's one Hmm. and the other part of it is that there was this there is this inner voice that i could be going through the worst of situations like from even like feeling like i'm about to be beat within with and lose my life from feeling like i'm stranded there's something that kicks in that No matter I may be in tears, hollering, bawling, there's something that kicks in that inner voice, that guidance that just goes, This is where you're going. And this may mm. be happening right now, but you are going to get through this, wow. push through. So even on the nights where I laid on a park bench, you know, and my lips got so crusted that they peeled to the point where they bled, Oof. you know, it, it was like,
0: that happened to in me this moment. morning, by the way. So oh. I had it, put some Vaseline just before we started. Uh, uh, <laughs> I'm sure a
1: slightly different circumstance.
3: But. Yeah. So it was like, but here's the here's the 360. So being in that park bench, having that inner voice saying push through, piss through, when people put me out of their homes, when people were mean to me, when I had no place to go, then mm-hmm. finally living life going through other stuff, dealing with immigration, everything like that. I come full circle to be filming the scene with Chris Maloney mm-hmm. sit, uh, right above, uh, sitting uh, in the bathroom window. I'm looking out of the window right down into the park benches that I used to sleep in in <gasps> oh,
1: Central wow. Park. Oh, wow. comes? Oh, uh, wow.
3: What a moment. And here's another one.
2: That's Even deep.
3: I'll tell you, uh, New York City, 1994, 95, I'm walking through Times Square. I see all the posters up there. I say to my friends, I'm going to be on a poster like that one day. And that was the inner voice. That was just that inner, because the outer shell at times says to me, you're a failure. You're a loser. Mm -hmm. You're going to walk outside. They're going to kill you tomorrow. Mm -hmm. You're too vocal. Shut up. Right. Stay in a woman's place. Actually, just shut up. And Mm -hmm. so that inner, that's the shell, but that inner part just pushes me through. And so I said to them, I'm going to be on that post billboard one day. And I was, and laughed at, talked about, even years later, where we were talking on like Facebook or something. And one of the people says to me, so did you make that billboard yet? (laughs) And it really discouraged me. It it, (sighs) it was like, I had, I, I lived through, and I even went through a period of time where I agoraphobia really took hold of me. So the only Mm -hmm. way I was able to leave my house was Mm -hmm. because I had a dog. My mom, Tommy Ross, one time told me, she said, go just get an animal because you're going to get yourself into trouble. I was in a really, (laughs) I didn't feel loved. I didn't feel, I didn't feel like I could go anywhere. And I, again, I had no immigration status. So anyway, I I was just in a low place and life continued. Flash forward 2016. Strut happens, and we show up, and Whoopi's like so adamant about doing. Strut is the stages. oxygen
0: show she did we with were, Whoopi Goldberg about uh, the trans modeling agency. Mm-hmm. Whoopi
3: Goldberg, Tom Leonardis and mm-hmm. Forty Four Blue Productions, and here we are standing in Times Square, and there I am, not on one billboard, but on. All of them, even the ones, even (laughs) even the ones, even the ones at 42nd Street where years in the, in, I think around 2000 where Amanda Milan was murdered right on 42nd Street in Fort Authority right there. So right now it was like, now we have reclaimed our place. We are reclaiming our power. And so, yeah.
1: Oh my God. Um, I love that. I love love that. And I I'm love
3: wrecked. how you I know
1: I'm wrecked. All of these I moments, wrecked. but I love how you talk about this. You know that inner voice and how you still allow that to champion you through kind of all that you've done, so that you could see yourself staring at posters saying you want to be at it, to then being on all the billboards in Times Square. So huge difference from when you came to New York to where you're at now. You've also kind of spoken about the economic reality of sex work for trans women of color and your own painful experiences too. Like, what advice would you have for Black trans women now who are maybe kind of going through some of those same things?
3: See, well, this is a conversation that really needs to be had, right? Mm -hmm. Because when we talk about sex work, a lot of people come from a place of saying, we have to get you out of it. But sex work has been something that was not fueled by the people that do it, but fueled by the people that pay for it. Because Mm -hmm. if you're not paying for something, then therefore, who's going to sell it? Right. Right. So therefore, this has been established throughout society as an oppressive form to women uh, through patriarchy and everything like that. So therefore, now when we talk about sex work with the transgender community, we have to look at the fact that sex work is something that exists throughout all communities. Yeah. Because some members of the community need to learn how, ne- not need to learn, but they are not given certain privileges. They're not given certain allowances. They're not, we're not looking out for each other. So when you yeah. see that 17-year-old girl that has to stand on the street corner, you have to think about how you voted. You have to think about how you stand up. You have to think about how you show up. So for me, but for me, because of the way I was raised and everything, sex work to me was very disgusting for my body. I, I, I view my body as a temple. And for me to have to navigate my person, my space with someone else just for me to survive was destroying me. Yeah. It it was something that made me feel like I was less than if mm-hmm. I were in a, if I were in a space where um, this was something that society had said to me. Okay, it's okay for you. To, it, it's okay for you to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is something that everyone. It's it's a, an option. But mm-hmm. society, I society didn't embed that in me. So I've always right. looked at it as something that was immoral. Yeah, you were raised,
0: you were in your hard drive from your upbringing. So
3: therefore, the effect that it had on me having to do that was diminishing. It it even led me through a stint of drug abuse Mm -hmm. because here you are trying to navigate with someone for your body after you have been raised to believe that your body is a temple through Christianity, but yet Mm -hmm. the same Christianity that has turned you out put you out is the same one that's now demoralizing you and telling right. you you're right. an abomination, right. but you can't will win. not, but will not give you a helping hand. Mm-hmm. You've explained
1: so, it
0: completely. So perfectly. It's like, let's exclude you from every single economic educational opportunity possible and give you no other choice, but to only do this kind of work. And then while I'm doing that, let me judge you for it. Yeah. Let me yeah. get mad about, you know, uh, that that um, not knowing that you've been put in that position by society.
3: Like, like how are we supposed to eat? And then yeah. what's your option? And what people fail to realize is especially, and I'm telling you this from experience, a lot of these trans women are not reaching out to these men. They have been reaching out to us, knowing who we are for years and yes. stalking us, coming to us. And I'm telling you that it, it is it is so sad to see some of the responses that some of the deaths, uh, the murders that that have occurred have been getting where people are saying, oh, well, she should she shouldn't have fooled them and stuff like that. No, these men know exactly what they're getting and yeah. then and and they know exactly what's happening and mm-hmm. then they feel ashamed mm-hmm. or uh, and what happens after even and look at it, even people that are cheaters. Right. After they have the fun and the orgasm and climax and everything like then comes the remorse. Mm-hmm. Then comes, mm-hmm. the oh, I shouldn't have done that. But for the trans woman, now it becomes, oh, I shouldn't have done that. I'm going to put a bullet in your head.
0: Yeah, hmm. it's because they have to erase you in order to right. protect their reputation yeah. or, uh, or how they're perceived or their masculinity because mm-hmm. uh, the thing that, uh, the, the relationship, they're afraid that having a sexual relationship with a trans woman makes them gay or well, society, that, that's where a lot of the violence is coming from.
3: Yeah, because society is, and this is where, um, and I'm sorry to smile about this, but this is the, the stupidity of it all.
0: Smiling at spit- stupidity is my favorite thing to do, so hit it. <laughs>
3: because here you are in a space that you are forcing at times, which you're not invited to, and then getting mad at what you are attracted to because it mm-hmm. doesn't turn out to be what you were told you are supposed to be attracted right. to. When mm-hmm. in all actuality, it is. It's just that certain body parts just don't right. you know, function. And mm-hmm. for me, and you have to realize this, there are men out there who are only attracted to, who are attracted to trans women that Mm -hmm. are post-operative. And there are Mm -hmm. men that are attracted to trans women that are Mm pre-operative. It is many of those that are attracted to those that are pre-operative that are having issues.
0: That's the next frontier. I think men coming out who are attracted to trans women, like that's their orientation. That is the, um, the, like your, I think the most advanced men are the ones who are like, I'm dating a trans woman and I'm out about it.
1: Well, but also, I mean, how wonderful that the world is moving in such a more fluid way too, where it doesn't Mm -hmm. necessarily have to be about man, woman, or sexuality, you know, and and kind of, you know, anything being binary, but that there's this whole continuum, right? Like in the way that we were talking about gender expression, it's so vast and varied. Everybody's so different. It looks so different in the same, that sexuality is the same thing.
3: I am so happy. Now, some of the older l g people mm-hmm. and B at times believe that oh it's too long of an alphabet right mm-hmm. so okay. it can't be controlled so what sometimes when i say lgbtqia plus you get people mm-hmm. that will roll their eyes because oh my gosh it's just lng no it shows you how vast the spectrum uh-huh. is it shows you how vast identification how how much, how, oh my gosh, how diverse Yeah, everything is. So in my feeling, all of this should be done with. I feel like progressive right. human beings, people who understand life and people who even simply understand biology
0: I love the online campaign to yes. have you an X-Men as Please, Storm. X-Men. Is that part of your visualization process? Is that are are you speaking
3: to that? Yes, are you me?
1: manifesting? Are you manifesting yeah. your role? You're a but
3: manifester. I, 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 that's what I, 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 you are. This, this is in, in God's hands and the universe's hands. That's mm-hmm. that's all I can I can say with that one. I'm just really enjoying the fact and take this really quickly. I'm enjoying the fact that I'm seen as an actor that can do something. Yeah, of Being course. trans, being black, being Caribbean, West Indian from a small island. I'm loving the fact that people are actually considering me for this. It really makes me feel great.
0: Yeah, no, yeah. I'm here for it. I mean, I think <laughs> what we've learned about you when, when you were saying that I, I something in me, that voice in me uh, as a therapist, Matthew, do you think we all have that or all have access to
1: that? I think we all have access to that. Because I think
0: that's what keeps me going
1: too. I think we all have access to that. I think it really just kind of depends on what kind of maybe traumatic experiences that we've had or anything that's, you know, kind of like dulled our shine, diminished our Mm -hmm. belief in ourselves that just makes it hard for us to listen to that voice and then have enough courage to act on it. But Dominique, that's why I love that is that You not even necessarily having like a a full sense of maybe where that voice has come from, but you had enough courage and belief in yourself to listen to it and to still do the hard work of showing up so that you could move through life and work towards the things that you wanted to so you could shine in your way so that everybody else then could benefit from that too.
0: I think the rest of the class should pay attention to Dominique Jackson and the job that
3: she's doing right now and follow her example.
0: Um, Where can we find you on your socials?
3: Well, I can be found at DominiqueT.A.R.Jackson on Instagram Mm -hmm. and Facebook. And my Twitter is Tyra A. Ross. Um, Yeah, at Tyra A. Ross. Uh, I think that's it. And also my cameo is Dominique Jackson where I can send you personal messages if you like.
0: We always do a hot message of the day and we invite you to like, this is your platform. Do you have a hot message of the day that you want uh, some bit of wisdom you want to pass on?
3: My heart message of the day is to always see human. See human first before you see anything else. And then you may find brotherhood, sisterhood, camaraderie in everyone. I love that.
0: I love that. Today, I'm going to read a quote from somebody in Meyer, And it goes a little something like this. Um, I went through those traumas. So if I lie about it. There may be some person that needed that truth and didn't get it. And that could have been a life I could have saved. And that was said by our guest today, Dominique Jackson.
1: I love that. That's, I mean, that's
0: authenticity right there. What's your hot message, Matthew?
1: Well, my hot message is not from Dominique, but it is from another strong black woman, Oprah. (laughs) And uh, this is one of my favorite quotes from her talking about authentic expression. It's find what sparks a light of joy within you so that you in your own way can illuminate the world. And that's that. that's
0: beautiful. I yeah. love that. <laughs> thank you so much for being our guest today. Thank you,
3: Dominique. All right. Thank you. Bye bye.
0: Matthew, where can people find you on your socials?
1: On Instagram and Twitter at MJ Dempsey Psych and Matthew J Dempsey Psychotherapy on Facebook. I'm Alec Mappa,
0: and you can find me at Alec Mappa on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. And remember, you know, part of. Recovering from being a hot mess is admitting you're a hot mess and believe it. You know, don't be ashamed because deep down inside, everybody is a hot mess. <laughs> we'll see you next week. Can't wait. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to subscribe, download, and listen to Alec a Hot Mess with Matthew Dempsey, Psychotherapist.